And welcome to Warbird Radio. I'm Matt Jolly. We're having a great time this time of year because it's air show season, and part of air show season means travel, and we're getting ready to travel down to Gold Coast, Australia, uh, for the big Pacific Air Show Gold Coast edition down there. I'm looking forward to it. You can follow along uh, right here at Warbird Radio. Now, the interesting thing about this particular show, it's a massive continent, as you're aware, especially those of you who live there. And so Warbird participation at air shows is often, you know, well, it's not very frequent, uh, especially in Gold Coast and along the beach down there. Joining me now to talk about this from Australia, he's already on the ground, boots on the ground down there, is Kevin Elliott. He's the uh, CEO of Pacific Air Show and uh, of Code 4 Media. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Good morning, or whatever time it is down there, Matt, or yeah. up there. Yeah, well, whatever time. I think I'm down under. The if big, I'm down under, you're not. I'm not. The big news right now is that uh, Ken Ashmore dug up a P-40, a Focke-Wulf 190, and a P-51, uh, and he's bringing them to Gold Coast with your team. That is remarkable to have uh, not one, not two, but three frontline fighters uh, from World War II. I mean, icons of that generation. Uh, that's pretty exciting. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's what we wanted to do. We, we you know, when we set out to, to, to do this air show down under, uh, we knew it was going to be difficult, right? Uh, they do have a tremendous aviation heritage, obviously, here in Australia, a great alliance with the United States. But we wanted to try to put something together that was the Pacific Air Show brand and flavor, right? So um, one warbird just wasn't enough for us. And honestly, we scoured the country. And when I say we scoured the country, I mean, I sent Ken Ashmore out in a burglar, cat burglar outfit, right. and with a screw, couple screwdrivers and some flashlights. Tried to find. And he went that. hanger by, he went hanger by hanger. Uh, he was only uh, stung by about three scorpions and bitten by two huntsman spiders. Uh, but subsequently, we've come up with the the lineup that we've got, and we're going to put great. them together in about a twenty minute sort of uh, aerial performance that ultimately ends in the uh, Mustang and the Spit. Uh, chasing off the fuck wolf. I think it's going to be cool. It's going to be a great time. And I have yet to see this particular uh, FW 190, which I'm really looking forward to seeing. Uh, the gentleman who flies this uh, is quite well known down there. Chris Mayer with the fuck wolf and uh, Doug Hamilton, I believe is flying the Mustang. And I don't know who's in the, uh, I don't know who's flying the P 40 down there, uh, but you've got some other aircraft uh, that are, that are coming up as well, including uh, some stuff from the United States. We're having the U.S. Marine Corps' MV-22. And this is pretty cool. There's a four-ship uh, called the Red Star Roulettes uh, that are that are very popular down there. They're going to be there. Uh, and I'm just going through the Warbird list. There's a whole bunch of other stuff. KC-135 from the United States Air Force. Uh, the C-17 demo is going to be there. You've got some L-39s. Uh, the RAF C-130. Uh, the Royal Canadian Air Force is even going to be there. Uh, with their 150 Polaris, which will be pretty cool. And then a host of, uh, of other things. But the big stars of uh, Pacific Air Show Gold Coast are, of course, the Royal Australian Air Force there and their roulettes. Going to be a lot of fun to see that. And the Super Hornet. Yeah, they're going to have the, uh, the their F-18 Super Hornet. They're going to be doing, I think it's almost a 15-minute handling demonstration uh, each day. And don't forget the piece de resistance, the... The Yak 110, which I just got conf confirmation, has officially been test flown as of this morning. Uh, it was quite a process to get that approved by CASA. They had never seen anything 
quite that freakish before. Um, and so, yeah, we just, uh, Ben Anderson's over here. He's been working away, putting it together in our hangar, uh, just up the way. And, uh, yeah, test flown this morning and she's ready to go. Jeff Bourbon will hit the ground here, uh, next week and, um, we're ready to rock and roll, baby. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I met you, uh, years ago now, it seems like, and I love working with you. Pacific Air Show, Huntington Beach, which is happening in, uh, well, in just about a month after we finish this thing, it seems like, uh, a matter of weeks. Unbelievable. In October, the first weekend in October, uh, in California, in Huntington Beach there. Uh, a great show, a, a groundbreaking show, really, in, in that it, it you've taken the, the rule book for air shows, just kind of thrown them out the window, and you said, I'm going to do things my way. Your background, though, in aviation, let's talk a little bit about this. You were a, a kid growing up there in Huntington Beach, Orange County, and just fell in love with airplanes, and, well, the rest is history. You've got a huge production company there, and this really affords you a competitive edge in the air show world because nobody does things like you. What's that like? Yeah, you, you kind of you, you touched on it. I mean, you know, growing up as a, a kid flying remote control airplanes, that was my my passion, right? That's all I did. My friends were out, you know, whatever they were doing, playing G.I. Joe. I was in the garage gluing my fingers together, as my mom likes to say. Um, and uh, it was, it was, you know, I learned a lot, right? But mostly I developed a love for airplanes, a love for aviation. And then, of course, you know, you grow up, you get a job. Uh, that kind of sucks. Um, but my, I started my company in 2006, and it happened to be in the event production space. So I've grown this business over nearly 17 years, I think, more than that. Uh, and, you know, subsequently, um, you know, uh, watched Ken Ashmore and company launch the air show in Huntington Beach in 2016. I went to it and thought, this is special. I should see if I can help and somehow get involved. Uh, and I did, right? They say you're supposed to marry your passion and your, uh, your, your profession. And so, you know, I thought it was a good excuse. And uh, so far you know, it's working out. We're, uh, we're doing, we're doing a lot of cool things. We're trying to break the mold. We're having fun. Uh, I can't say we're making any money doing it, but I mean, uh, we're, we're working on that. So, uh, at the end of the day, that's not the primary objective to your point. Our objective is to really redefine the air show experience, put out something that's new, try to change people's ideas, uh, the way that they think, how they think just because it's always been done a certain way. doesn't mean that that's how it has to be done. And, uh, certainly that's been a task in, in California. Um, but to be honest, it's even more of a challenge here in Australia because, um, you know, they are just sort of stuck in the way that they've always done things. Although I think generally speaking, people are very excited to see this event delivery here in a couple weeks. I think it's going to be great. I, I'm just excited to be a part of it. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what this means for, uh, our friendship here with the Australians. Of course, obviously you and I are Americans, uh, and very much so, and we're we're going down there. This is the first time that a U.S. company's ever put on an air show down there, uh, and it's a, it's a pivotal time, a, a very pivotal time in our country's history, uh, especially in the Pacific. Well, I think you know when three and a half years ago we started the process of trying to you know make this event a reality, and so I think the timing of it couldn't really be more fortuitous given the recent visit from secretary Blinken. I mean, the United States and the Australian Alliance has never been more significant or closer than it is right now. And so I think the, you know, the challenge that we face as the air show is, is obviously remaining a significant priority in lieu of the, or in light, excuse me, of all of the, you know, world affairs, right. 
But I certainly feel like the air show, once it actually occurs, people will take more significant note of the significance that it brings to the mateship between our two countries. And that's really what we always wanted, right? There's, we fly American flags up and down the block, right, in America, and it's kind of like it's just what we do. You don't see that here. There's not that same level of patriotism. I'm not saying they don't love their country, but it's just it's not a theme. And so, you know, I hope to inject a little bit of that here in Southeast Queensland. You know, we'll be, yeah, as an example, I've, I've taken a, a, a rugby ball and I've, I've been the person to bring the ball out onto the field at two matches now in front of 30,000 screaming fans um, just to celebrate Pacific Air Show. We've had a, the flag jumped into the stadium uh, twice in the last two weeks where we got to be on the field. And it's been pretty cool. But one thing that really struck me is they don't actually sing their national anthem at the start of these games, which... Um, is obviously a, a major feature of professional sports in the United States. So I think if we can try to instill a little bit of our way of thinking, as I mentioned, redefining the air show experience, even here in Australia and bringing them along in a little bit of that American way of thinking, yeah. um, you know, I think, I think, um, you know, this relationship is just one that is truly special. Kevin, as we wrap things up, let's talk about how folks can come and see Pacific air show gold coast. Uh, how's the best way, to get tickets and uh, to get their butts on the beach down there. Well, uh, PacificAirShow.com is where you buy the tickets. You just go to PacificAirShow.com and click on Gold Coast. Don't get confused uh, and click on Huntington Beach or you're coming to California instead of Australia. There's lots of great options. We've got premium hospitality options. Uh, actually, in a lot of ways, it's it's a, it's you know I think it's going to be a different experience than Huntington Beach, uh, but maybe even a more elevated experience than Huntington Beach in certain ways. But uh, PacificAirShow.com is where you head over to get that. And of course, you've got your tickets, Matt. I have my. Uh, you're I'm ready. Be, uh, yeah. <laughs> people of Australia, I've seen signs. They say, "Where mm. is Matt? We yeah. want Matt." Uh, the official voice of Pacific Air Show. Of course, we couldn't go anywhere in the world without you. Uh, how are you feeling about it? I mean, I, I know you're the honestly, uh, you're the host of this show, but I'm taking the reins here. <laughs> honestly, I don't. Th- I I think I think my style is a little different. I think our style is a little different. So uh, I'm a little nervous. I'm kind of waiting for Friday to roll around, and and we'll just see what happens. You know, because it's so different what what happens at Pacific Air Show uh, than any other show in the United States, and you take that down to Australia. I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see. Well, I think you're going to be that you're going to be the front line of communicating the message to the fans that have bought right. a ticket, the people that have invested. The, so no pressure. All right, and, so uh, you're yeah. you're ready. You I'm got ready. this. It's a good time. They're good people. And uh, we're really excited to, you know, share with them this special, special experience that we've created together. All of us, um, you, myself, Wayne, Ken, the whole team, hundreds of us uh, are going to, you know, show them something they've never seen before. So thanks for your support, Matt. Kevin Elliott from Pacific Air Show. Thanks for coming on. We have to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to continue this air show themed show and we're going to talk with one of the last great barnstorming pilots alive today. This guy, his entire routine harkens back to just a bygone generation and I think you're really going to enjoy it. And how he got his start, how he got his start in aviation is completely unorthodox. But it's a story that a lot of us probably shared. I think you're really going to enjoy Clements Cooling, better known as Chef Pitts, when we come back here on Warbird Radio right after this. Stay with us. This is Warbird Radio. Why go to an old-fashioned air show when you can drink an old-fashioned sitting in a private beach cabana with your friends at the world's most cutting-edge air show? 
why stand shoulder to shoulder in a distant crowd outside general admission where the tall guy in front of you says, oh, dude, did you just see that? And you're thinking, no, I just saw the back of your big head. Buy a ticket to access the only place you can hear the show, feel the music, and see what the f*** is going on. And while you're there, experience curated cuisine from the best chefs across L.A. Don't drag that cooler of beer through the sand. We already did that for you, baby. But with big trucks and a huge-ass team of people. Open bar? Check. Luxurious clubs? Double check. Be in the chalets where the performers and the cowboy cops drop by. Get up close and personal to capture all the action. Then post that sh on your social. You know you will. Don't just go to Pacific Air Show. Book a ticket. Be in the action before it's too late. Pacific Air Show. Redefining the air show experience. This is Bloomberg Radio. And welcome back here to Warbird Radio. Matt Jolly uh, hanging out with you. Just I'll tell you what, you've got to subscribe to the blog there, to our newsletter. It's not really a newsletter anymore. It's more like a we'll write something, we'll post on the site, and then we'll send it out to you. So it's not spam. We're never going to do that to you. But just uh, enter your email address in, and we'll we'll share it with you. The other great thing about doing that is you'll never miss an episode because oftentimes when we do publish a new show, especially a feature, uh, I'll send it out on email. So you can get it that way. It's no secret, I love RC airplanes. I, I grew up flying radio control. It was a huge part of my life. Got me into air show announcing, believe it or not. That's a long story, but I love it. And one of my air show buddies is joining me now, Clemens Kulik, better known as Chef Pitts. This guy, if you can imagine growing up in a candy store, he grew up in a model shop. How cool is that, Chef? Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Matt. Yeah, um, yeah. Dad had a model shop. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> were you uh, into it? Sure. I mean, was this like a you? You probably hated it because it was just what Dad did. But I mean, no, for most no, kids, I, I loved it. Yeah, okay. no, I, I had, I needed no, uh, no uh, pressure to, you know, really like airplanes and messing <laughs> around with them and. You know, I went the whole gamut. You know, it started off with uh, hand-launch gliders, little balls of hand-launch gliders, and into rubber band-powered, you know, peanut scale and, and a little bigger fleet flight goggles and stuff, and then into control line, and then into finally into uh, RC models, starting off with the single-channel uh, radio control airplanes. You probably remember those. Well, yeah, the I remember pulse, the, the old, yeah, the oh, pulse yeah. Rider would, you know, flip, 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 flip back and forth, and if you held the stick to the right, it would just kind of pop, 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 pop to the right, you know? <laughs> yeah, we sang it off of those. The old rubber band-powered, yeah, servos yeah, and all thing. that stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing went, you know, from from the ground up, I guess you could say, you know? And then by the time we, my dad had the model shop, we were, you know, fully into, you know, the um, the radio control models, you know, um, sixty size being the the really the biggest we kind of mess with at that time. Uh, the giant scale was just starting to catch on, um, and I'm talking about when I was about nine, eight, nine, seven, eight, nine, something like that. 
it started with a little stuff, you know, the gliders and stuff at about five, I think. Um, yeah, so my dad likes sports scale, and I like pattern. Um, and so we ended up having a lot of different SIG airplanes. Um, that oh, was, yeah. That was, yeah, yeah kind of what we ended up with. He had a beautiful Ryan STA, you know, in John Gosney's colors. Um, and uh, I had a... I had a Comet, the Sig Comet that I flew in a couple competitions where I was about uh, 10 or so, I think. And then ended up flying with uh, that Sig Super Chipmunk, you know, the one with the profile fuselage and it had the plastic shells for the fuselage sides. Yeah, you're going way back now. I mean, I'm thinking. Right, yeah, when you had to build them, there was no. Yeah. A couple ARFs, maybe when they first came out, it was still pretty much a kit. You know, it was not open the box and plug it in and go fly. And what about the Cougar? Did you ever get to fly that? The Sig Cougar. The Sig Cougar. Remember that one? What a great one. Yep. For sure. Yep. Um, With a Fox 45 on it, which, you know, the Fox 45 would just eat dirt, you know, and and it would just run and run and run and run. And (laughs) that Sig Cougar, you know, ended up, that was one of the ones that lived, the longest and ended up getting hung up in the model shop just well so you know the foam core wings and and you know just it was just worn out instead of just you know as we used to say put into an instant kit yeah (laughs) we re-kitted it this weekend mom don't worry about it it'll be all right (laughs) yeah there was a lot of those yeah yeah well so one of the things that i loved about rc and one of the things that I love about you, Clemens, is your love of all things old air show. And you really hearken back to the days of the Barnstormer. In fact, I've had this conversation, and I'll, I'll leave the performers that I've had this conversation with. I'll leave their names out of it, Nathan Hammond and a couple of other folks. But you're like the last real air show guy. I mean, really and truly. I mean, of cut from that, that old school fabric. I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of it. And I think it, it wasn't that you were born into it. It was that you became it. I mean, you sought this out. You're the, you're the nomad still living in a teepee, traversing the Wild West. I mean, you've sought this life out. I mean, you left a, a for those of you who don't know Chef Pitts, he left a, a very glamorous life as an executive chef and then literally yeah, joined the circus. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you know, you talk about the, barnstormers and that kind of stuff and and that was uh you know kind of a big part of it because it's so romantic for one thing you know um but one of the one of the things that really kind of you know molded my kind of aviation personality i guess you could say is um we used to take a trip um it would take that it was a six hour drive i want to say it was six six-hour drive up and six-hour drive back. And we used to go to Old Rhinebeck Aerodrome in the fall and and go see the Sunday show. Um, you mentioned Nate Hammond. I think yeah. he flew for He grew Rhinebeck up there. Show. Yeah, he did. He grew up yeah. there. I mean, he and his brother yeah. both with the dad flying. Sure. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Cool stuff up Which there. Which is amazing, yeah. When I knew when I found that out, I was talking to him one day. I was just so jealous, you know. Um but yeah, we used to go to the show. We used to go and drive up there and see, you know, pick a weekend and, and go up there and see the Sunday show. We saw a couple Saturday shows, but we usually go for the Sunday. For those that don't know, the Saturday is like the golden age uh, type of thing. Um, 
and the pioneers and whatever. And then the, the Sunday show is always the world war one stuff. Um, and so that's what we go and see most of the time. Um, and with, uh, you know, Cole's Fokker triplane with that, uh, Werner Voss face on it. Um, that's why I have that Warner Ross face on the cowling in my pits. Um, I love it. it kind of an homage to that, you right. know? No, I totally get it. I, we, yeah, and I, it's still on there. If you, if you punch up, uh, old Rhinebeck aerodrome images, you, you know, about the third one in, you'll see that triplane with that face on it. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, you know, and that whole, God, that whole thing, you know, at that place, you know, with the, the, the sound of those rotary engines and, you know, the, right you know right the mags going oh yeah yeah uh and the smell and all that stuff you know and of course biplanes and triplanes and and that kind of stuff so um you know that was a that was a big part of it you know and again we're talking about you know eight nine ten eleven somewhere in there you know i was when i was that age and and going and seeing that stuff so uh and i also remember one time i were watching the show and one of the Sagala guys, and I don't remember which one it was, because there was a couple brothers, I think, and, and there was, I think there was an old man, I'm not sure, um, but he came by in a Pitts S1T during the show. Um, he was, I think he was coming home from an air show and got on the radio and, and they said, come on by for a pass. And so you're watching these World War One airplanes, you know, um, go around. And then he came in in that S1T, you know, and just came in real low and pulled up on a 45 and did a snap roll and then left. And, uh, and <laughs> back in like, the day wow. when you could do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. That, right. I'm like, that was really, that was something, you know. Well, you've um, built your own airplane. You built your own pits. Uh, of course, it, it won yeah. all kinds of awards when you rolled it out at Sun and Fun there. And then you started flying air shows. You've got to tell the story, though, because I just love this story. You picked up the phone and called uh, a lady who has an airplane in the Smithsonian. She's a, a, a hero of mine, has been my whole life. And you just, I, this is what I love about Clements. You just pick up the phone and you called Patty Wagstaff and you're like, Hi, I'm I'm a chef, and I'm going to be an air show pilot, and I'd like you to help me. Isn't that kind of how it went? Yeah, yeah kind of. Um, I uh, the I you know how do you do that, right? You so you have this airplane, and and it's almost done, and uh, it's you know in my garage, and it's getting close to being finished, and I'm and the whole point was to fly air shows, right? Well, how do you do that? So. I, you know, what do you do? You Google it, right? And start to try and figure out what you do. So you have to get a waiver, right? Um, and I found, um, just searching around, there was ACES, which is an aerobatic competency evaluator. Um, and there's a, a, there's a few in Florida. And Patty was one of them. And, uh, and there's some others. But the other one I was looking at was Kiyoki Gray. And... Um, and for that first evaluation, I didn't call Patty because I was too afraid to. And I went to Kiyoki. And it turns out that was a pretty good move. Uh, for those people that don't know, Kiyoki Gray is a very, very accomplished airshow pilot. He flew a four in a four-ship pit special team called the Holiday Inn team. And he also flew for the Red Baron Pizza Squadron in the Stearmans. He was a slot pilot, I think, in the Stearmans. And so... That was just, 
you know, a real stroke of luck, um, you know, for me that I, and, you know, we sat down for hours and, um, and so for a couple hours, two hours, I think we sat in, and during the evaluation and he went through every aspect of air show flying, you know, um, like kind of taking the weekend into piece by piece. And one kind of funny thing I remember was I had my little notebook, you know, I had a little moleskin notebook when we were going through the thing and I was taking notes of, you know, stuff that, that we were talking about. And we're talking about the briefing and he says, during the briefing, they'll tell you about the pyro, where it is and whatever, if they, you know, if they have it. And he says, uh, he goes, so just know where it is. So if you have, you know, if you have some kind of emergency or something, you can avoid it. And he goes, don't land on the pyro. And I took my pen and I wrote down in the book, don't land on pyro. Okay. Got it. <laughs> so that was your, that was your first, uh, first encounter with that. The stuff that might kill you. What did you think in the, so, in the briefing when they're, when they're given that briefing out and they say, if you land there, you know, don't do anything. We'll come to you. Yeah. The pyro guys are hilarious as you would think you, they would be, you know, um, the, you know, the classic, if you, if it doesn't look like it grew there, don't step on it. Right. 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 And if we're if running, keep up running. <laughs> and if you see us running, just follow us, follow yeah. one of us. Cause right. we know. Everything is. Right. So, yeah. Those guys are funny and gals for that matter. Um, well, you've perfected uh, the inverted ribbon cut now, and there's there's a lot of lore in how you do that. And I one of my favorite yeah. stories was sitting around the table with you and Patty uh, that yes. night down in Florida there uh, at some show. Yeah. I can't remember what show we were at, but anyway, we uh, were all Punta sitting. Gorda. Punta Gorda. We Punta were down Gorda. there, and yeah. and you shared the story about about flying through that farmer's field. It. Sure. Yeah. Um, and after that first evaluation, I started. Um, going to see Patty for, you know, that every year you get reevaluated. And so that's how that relationship kind of started. You know, um, I started going to her after I went to Kiyoki for that first one. Um, and, you know, you and for those that don't know, you start at 800 feet and then you, you fly so many shows and you go down to 500 and then you go down to 250 and then finally you can go down to uh, the surface, right? And you, so you can fly as low as you want. Um, and I was doing, going from the surface down or from rather from 250 to the surface. And, you know, and, and it had always been my goal really to do the inverted ribbon cut because I had seen it done so many times, you know, in the shows I saw when I was a kid, you know, Art Scholl did his ribbon pickup, of course, it wasn't a cut. And Jim Parker in the Northeast, he did it. He, he flew an S2A and then he flew an S2S for a while. Um, before he retired and from air show flying and he did a double inverted ribbon cut. He'd cut the bottom one first and then do the top one. And so that was all Leo, of course, did a ribbon cut um, with a three quarters outside snap as he goes through it, you know? Um, and so that was always a goal of mine. So, uh, and of course, Patty does one. Um, she was the first woman to do it. Um, and then, you know, she, however many she's done, right. She's been doing it forever. Uh, so that was, you know, what better uh, person to try to, you know, teach you how to do that. So a big part of it was how do you do the ribbon? How do you tie it up? And, you know, how long is it? That kind of thing. Technical issues. Right. And um, when you go from 250 down to the surface, that's a big jump. That's a big change. 
visually and what you see. So that's what you have to get used to. That's a big thing you have to get used to is what the ground looks like, what the horizon looks like, et cetera, when you get go from upside down at 250 to upside down at 25, right? So how do you so, do So you've got you to you maybe you just put a, put a disclaimer down. on this, though, that, that yeah. don't try this at home, but yeah, you right. go find a field uh, that you can do this at. And right. you did. So, uh, I did. And there's a, there's an old duster strip um, that is just west of where I'm based. And um, it had a windsock on it at the end of the runway. And I looked it up, and uh, it turns out if the field is on the chart, if it's current, it's currently on the chart, and the windsock has to be so high. And it turns out it has to be 16 feet high. So... Um, I'd go, and it, it was a paved strip. It was just a narrow paved strip. It's about 2,500 feet long, something like that. So I'd just go, you know, set up on one end of it and roll upside down and go down it. And I always have cameras running. Whenever I, almost every time I fly that pit, there's cameras running so I can go back and look at them after. And did you so call the guy the, or gal who owned this strip? Or did you no, just no, show I just, <laughs> just show up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, what's well, that disclaimer again? <laughs> right. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no, I'd make a couple of passes and, and then skedaddle before anybody kind of, you know, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, which is nice. No big roads around and no houses around. So, um, yeah, so you gradually work it down. And then I got it down to where um, I was level with the top of the windsock, 16 feet. So I figured if I got down to 16 feet, the poles are, my poles are about 24. So, uh, I got 10 extra feet, right? So that should be easier that way. <laughs> well, and there's all this lore about like how high to have the poles and what kind of, pole. and, and that's all right. secret air show stuff. But I think it's just a yeah. great story. I love the story of you going out and just getting lower and lower and working just your getting, way out. Yeah, yeah, just getting lower and lower. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, one of the first things I did, I used to have this thin cushion on the seat that was, man, it wasn't any thicker than an inch. Um, and the first time I started rolling upside down and flying that low, um, I could, the, it was just high enough that it blocked my view. The top wing blocked my view a little bit. And so, um, I took the cushion out and then that was much better. Um, and it's funny that only that little bit could make a difference, but it does, you know, and, and so, uh, I have my cross country cushion, and then when I get there, I take it out and and just sit on the bare wood. Yeah. <laughs> I just love it. I love all the stories, and I, I we got to have you back, Clemens. We really do. But uh, if you want to find out about Chef Pitts, uh, he is he's always on the road. Uh, give folks a, a good way to get a hold of you and to see what you're doing out there. Sure, um, I I have a Facebook page that's under my name, Clemens Coolidge. But if you search Facebook. Uh, Chef Pitts Air Shows on Facebook, you'll find me pretty quick. And then uh, my Instagram page is Chef Pitts Air Shows. Um, and, um, and my website, ChefPittsAirShows.com. There you yeah. go. Well, Chef, thanks yeah. for coming on on Warbird Radio, a, a departure from your usual uh, your usual <laughs> media. But I, I just think it's great, and I love what you're doing, and I just uh, I love working with you. It's always a lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate it, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me, and um, we'll see you at the next show. Looking forward to it. My thanks to Clements Kulig for coming on, better known as Chef Pitts. If you're ever around and you see him performing, you've got to stop and watch. I'm telling you, when he pushes over out of that outside loop, 
comes barreling down upside down. Oh my goodness, does the inverted ribbon cut. Then he climbs at some point in the show and he does his dead stick routine. I'm telling you, the guy is just world class, right out of Waldo Pepper. You gotta go see him, and what a zest. What a zest for life. Just love that guy. Again, my thanks to Clemens and to Kevin Elliott uh, for coming on from Pacific Air Show. You can catch a performance uh, here real soon down in Australia in Gold Coast. And then again in October, the first part of October, in Huntington Beach, California. So, Surfer's Paradise in Australia, Surf City, USA, two great destination cities. Come see us at Pacific Air Show. Going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. A lot of great interviews coming up here, a lot of great stories. We have uh, some more archive presentations coming up for you, plus interviews from all the people you want to hear. Uh, been talking to the Hentons, talked to uh, Mike Spaulding, talked to a bunch of folks. We're getting the interviews scheduled right now. As you know, Reno is fast approaching. So a lot of folks very, very busy as, uh, as they get ready for this show in uh, Reno. The last big one. Going to be a great time, and I hope that you have a chance to go see that as well. So long for now, everybody. We'll talk to you real soon right here on Warbird Radio. So long for now. This 